Talk Radio. News today. Tuesday night, a bizarre story broke in New York with Orthodox Hasidic Jews with a three story deep tunnel going on. And I held my tongue because I wanted to get more information. I want to be able to report on it. And the story has been mega viral. But again, I want to do my own research before I comment it. Now that we've analyzed the footage, it doesn't look too good. You've got dirty mattresses that look like they have blood stains and other things on them. You've got uh, baby high chairs and just piles of garbage. And just looking at the footage, it looks like human trafficking to me. So we hear this constant trope that this stuff's going on underground. And I'm like, no, it's going on at the Texas border. It's going on publicly. But then literally you start to see this and you have to say to yourself, it looks bad. And then you've got the way they freaked out and went crazy once the police got there and attacked everybody. And this just shows how much evil is going on in our society. You know, at first I thought, well, maybe they think it's the end of the world or maybe they're dealing drugs or hiding diamonds or, you know, something under there. Because a lot of that goes on in New York City. But now looking at the footage the limited footage police released, it looks bad. It's not just one high chair. It's not just children's accoutrement here and there. It is all over the place. So I asked the question, why are the New York police filling it up with cement? Why is it all being sealed and covered up? You can't trust the FBI. They've covered up the whole Jeffrey Epstein operation. They've covered up all the rest of the garbage. No, who is going to go in there and do a forensic examination of what's happening. Because everybody's acting like, oh, the New York police are in there to end this, whatever it is. But instead, they're dumping concrete down in it and sealing it. I want an investigation of what's going on in those subterranean tunnels. Because it was Ted Gunderson, former head of the FBI in LA, you name it, that I first met like 28 years ago. Oh, they there a few years who said, and it came out, it was true, he documented it, that all these private schools and stuff in L.A. had subterranean tunnels where they were transferring kids to be molested. And later it came out in some of the finer investigations, he was telling the truth. He had a top-rate clearance, did a great job. He retires, becomes a P.I., gets hired for some Hollywood cases, and then Satanism kept coming up and molestation of children. And he, he couldn't believe it, but it was all there. So... This does not look good, ladies and gentlemen. Why would you carry baby high chairs and dirty mattresses covered with all sorts of fluids down through these pits into the ground? Looks really sick. And we know hundreds of thousands of children every year have been brought in since Biden got in. Huge human trafficking. They admit over 90,000 now missing. If I had to guess what was going on in there, something really was creepy going on. I think it was probably some type of weird ritual assaulting children. And I think the news came out. I think there were whistleblowers inside. And I, I'm speculating here, but I think the police covered it up. So the police aren't the persecutors here. I'm saying, and I'm speculating, but at gut level feels like they're part of a cover-up. 
So I'm not going to be part of this, and you shouldn't be part of this at the border or with Epstein or with the globalists or the CIA or the Mossad or any of it. We need to have a real investigation. The question is, who's going to do it? So I demand the state of New York, but it's run by Hochul. I demand the Justice Department, but it's run by Biden. Well, who does do an investigation? Yeah, all that Pizzagate stuff's coming out to be true, isn't it? Yeah. Three-story deep tunnels with a bunch of little kids' stuff, little kids' clothes and all the rest of it. And then people climbing up out of holes in the ground. Doesn't look good, folks. We'll be covering it tomorrow on the Friday show, 11 a.m. Central, Infowars.com, forward slash show. And while we're still here at X at Real X Jones, evil's being revealed, folks. So be ready to face the horror. While other networks lie to you about what's happening now, Infowars tells you the truth about what's happening next. Infowars.com, forward slash. It's Friday, January 12th, in the year of 2024. And you're listening to The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch it live right now at band.video. I'm back, folks. It's Chase Geyser on The American Journal this morning. An honor and a pleasure to be with you. What a great weekend it's been. I really enjoyed being the host of the show this week. I'm excited to see Harrison back in his chair on Monday morning. And Owen Schroyer back in the war room after a week of much-deserved time with family. Since we never know where to begin at the beginning of the show, all the options, let's start with a little lighthearted story. We're going to run clip one here in a segment. Good Samaritan body checks porch pirate fleeing police. A good Samaritan is being praised by authorities after helping police take down a fleeing suspect in New York. Let's go ahead and run the clip. Yonkers Police Department, dispatcher 19. I just saw somebody on my ring camera. Field two packages. Headquarters to 201. Caller is not home, but saw this on the ring camera. He took a box and a parcel. Camouflage jacket, white hoodie, gray sweatpants, black backpack. Excuse me. Hi. Stop right there. Wow. Stop. 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 Two or three. Running back to St. John's. St. John's Church. Well, they got him. I've never heard the expression porch pirate before, but I guess it's just somebody who goes around looking to see if there are packages on porches and stealing them. Amazon packages, things like that. 200, Spikes around all this season because people are having shipments sent to their house, which makes it sort of more heinous that it's not just a common thief, but it's a holiday thief, holiday time thief. Well, there you go. They got him. That's great. Nobody even had to get shot. Maybe we don't need guns after all, folks. You can just chase after them and catch them. And, you know, it's funny. When I look at the homeless population in the United States, when I look at the criminal population here in the United States, they don't manifest this look of desperation that you would expect. When I think of homeless people or poor people, when I read stories in the Bible about struggling people and homeless people, I don't imagine someone who is well-clothed, cleaned up, or certainly not overweight. But it's a problem that's unique in the United States that even our criminal class, our homeless class, our most impoverished, are obese. I was telling the crew the other day, I went to Walgreens and I was waiting in the pharmacy area 
and I don't know if this is something that that is universally true across all locations, but they have a couple of chairs in the waiting area for people to sit in while they're waiting for their prescription to be filled. And I noticed that they have this chair that is not like a normal chair. They have two or three normal chairs, and they have this chair that's like something in between a chair and a bench. At first, I thought, oh, it's a two-seater that's just set up as one sort of unit, one chair. But I looked, I was like, no, that's too small to be a bench, but it's way too big to be a chair. And then I realized that they have now widened the chairs, and there is sort of an obese option for people at the pharmacy to sit in if they're basically too wide for the standard chairs. So I sat in and I felt kind of bad. I felt kind of like I parked in a handicapped spot sitting in that chair, but my wife and I could have sat right next to each other in it and it was designed for one person. And we see this happening all over our culture, all over our society. We see reports that the, there it is, airlines are going to now offer discounts to obese people if they want to buy two adjacent seats so that they have more sitting room. And they make it sound like it's something they do as a courtesy to the larger among us. But the fact of the matter is they're actually trying to help out average-sized people who don't want to sit next to a gigantic person on an airplane for an extended period of time because they tend to flow over into the seat that you purchased. And I don't know what to make of it. I mean, I get it. Some people are going to be obese. Some people have thyroid problems. And I'm not trying to disparage people for their health or the way they look. We've all got our own vices. We've all got our own thorns in our sides. But sometimes it just astounds me, whether it's anything, how long people let a problem go before they wake up and they just can't even recognize themselves. And I don't even just mean physically. I mean, in terms of their character, other issues as well. It's like what they say about bankruptcy. They say it it comes very slowly and then all at once at the end. It's like, what were you thinking for this extended period of time? The feds are suing developers of massive Colony Ridge illegal immigrant community in Texas. Thanks to the hard work of Operation Burning Edge, we're finally seeing some action against Colony Ridge, a huge illegal alien community north of Houston that has been growing unrestrained for many months now it reminds me of that famous clip of alex jones one of the first clips i ever saw of alex jones was when he was covering the free underwear that we were giving illegal migrants at the border and he holds up this giant this basically giant tidy whities and he says we're being invaded by south american walruses (laughs) it all ties in The entire crumbling of our society, everything is related. Every bad thing that happens is connected. Federal government is suing the developers of Colony Ridge, which we now know contributed enormous amounts of bribe money to the Texas state legislature, including numerous U.S. congressmen and Governor Greg Abbott himself, to rubber stamp their approval for this massive illegal migrant development. And I still, for the life of me, can't really figure out with certainty why it is that our federal government is sponsoring this, why it is that our federal government is not just allowing this, but actually funding it. And I've got different theories. I've talked to him about about it on air. I've talked to you about it on air. I've heard from callers about what their thoughts are. But for the life of me, I can't get a solid 
reason why they would want this massive influx of migrants into our country. The best guess I have is that they want the terrorists to come in along with the regular migrants so that they can use another terrorist attack to usher in World War III. But after all we've seen from MKUltra and all of the mysterious manifestations of that project in terms of the terrorists and serial killers or shooters, famous shooters that it concocted, it doesn't seem to me that our government actually needs to import radicals into the country in order to catalyze a terrorist event. It seems to me there's plenty of people already here. They've got the technology. They've got the psychological understanding. They've done the experiments, which they destroyed the documents for. They could basically turn anybody they wanted into a terrorist. Any college student who volunteers for a psychology experiment for a little bit of extra cash on the side could be unwittingly walking into an MK Ultra experiment like Ted Kaczynski did, where he was tortured and psychologically abused for an extended period of time before, of course, himself becoming infamous in the way of killing innocent people. I don't know. I don't know that everybody he targeted was innocent, but it doesn't make it right regardless. I actually read his book recently a couple of times this year. What's it called? Industrial Society and its Fall or something like that? can't remember the exact name of his book. It's a little short manifesto. Part of how they caught him, I believe, is his brother recognized the writing that they published in the newspaper when they were looking for him. Industrial Society and something. And, and its future. And what's amazing to me about these people, some of the most evil people throughout history, frankly, What's amazing to me is how dead on and correct they are about defining the problem, but then how way off they are in the solution or the conclusion that they arrive at. So he lays out some amazing problems in this little manifesto, talking about how technology is taking over everything and people are being displaced and leftist psychology versus right-wing psychology or traditional psychology and how there's this just sort of innate rift and hate between the two psychological profiles of a leftist versus a patriot. I mean, he does some very sophisticated things. He's obviously a high IQ individual who's been disturbed and tortured. But MK Ultra had no problem turning him into the Unabomber. No problem. So why would they need to import these migrants? I still can't, for the life of me, figure out why they're bringing these people in here. I guess it's just to inflate the different districts during the censuses, but that's every 10 years. So they get more representatives in Democratic states? I don't know, folks. What do you think? Last year, we put this book out. The Great Reset and the War for the World. It became a number one national bestseller. Now we've put part two out, and it's even thicker and more powerful. The Great Awakening, the plan to defeat the globalists and launch the second great renaissance. This is such a powerful book. It covers all the globalist plans, the latest developments, how to stop them, and then gives an alternate plan of a society we could build together. That's why it's The Great Awakening. The Great Awakening is happening right now. You can get signed or unsigned copies of the book at InfoWarsStore.com. This is a historic book. I want to thank you all for your support. 
This is next level information, and it's a great way to not just support the broadcast, but inform yourself of the next level and share the book with friends and family. So whether you want one copy or multiple copies, go now to InfoWarsStore.com and get The Great Awakening. This is going to go to number one. I want to thank you for your support. It's a powerful book. Get yours now. Sleepless nights seem to be a lot more common these days with everything that's going on both at home and the world at large. If you are having trouble getting to that deep sleep we could all use more of, our new sleep support formula, Down and Out, is just the thing. It's our new, faster-absorbing liquid formula that is specifically designed to help you get the shut-eye you deserve. Formulated to improve upon our best-selling product, Knockout, with Down and Out, now the herbs and melatonin packed inside are extracted directly into the glycerin solution. So the ingredients are already dissolved into the formula before you even take it. One of the other sleep support herbs included is the passion flower, which was traditionally used by Native Americans like the Cherokees, who used it for its relaxing qualities. Be sure to take this product when you are completely ready for sleep, because you will be down and out. Selling out now at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host this morning. You may have heard this story about Johns Hopkins DEI, of course, that's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. John Hopkins DEI officer publishes Diversity Hit List, labeling able-bodied Christians, English speakers as privileged. A woke newsletter disseminated to staff at Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore, Maryland, reminds employees that privilege isn't just reserved for white people, but is also enjoyed by non-handicapped people, Christians, middle-class wage earners, and even people who know how to speak English. So now, I think we've officially arrived at a place in our culture here in America. I think we've officially arrived at a place where the left is incapable of naming anyone who is doing well at all who isn't doing well because of privilege. This is an idea. It's a term. It's a soft blow sort of accusation that's used to undermine the integrity of our system and the claims that our system has made for hundreds of years about the nature of the individual and the feasibility or possibility of the American dream for anyone who sets their mind to it and works hard. I mean, after all, that is really ultimately, from a cultural standpoint, I'm not talking legally, but from a cultural standpoint, that is the American promise. The American promise is you come here with nothing, if you work hard, you follow the rules, and you're a good person, you're going to have success. You're going to have a good life in this country. That's the promise, culturally. And for a long time, it's true. It's probably still in large true though it's becoming more difficult, the path is narrower and narrower to any sort of success or making ends meet. We know that there's record amounts of credit card debt. We know that there's record 
amounts of bankruptcies. We know that financially speaking, it is getting more and more difficult for your paycheck to actually pay for a reasonable middle-class lifestyle. That being said, it's still possible. It is. And it happens in other countries too that aren't nearly or are, are much more corrupt than our own. Even in the likes of Russia or I'm sure I'm certain that in Ukraine there were people that were successful as well before this war just by how corrupt they are. And so this promise that no matter who you are, no matter what your immutable characteristics are, really flies in the face of Marxism because at its heart, Marxism and critical theory are all about this idea of the oppressor versus the oppressed. And everything is about a will to power. It's very sort of Nietzschean in that sense. And in any society or relationship, according to the Marxists, there are those with power and there are those without power and those with power exploit those without power. That's the idea that Marx had about capitalism. That's what he thought about our sort of political infrastructure. And so... It becomes an issue if, in fact, in reality, you can become successful without oppressing anyone else. You can just work hard and with determination, regardless of your immutable characteristics, your race, your religion, any of the other details about you that had nothing to do with your character and everything to do with just your genetics or how you're born or where you're born, these immutable characteristics that cannot be changed. If you could be successful regardless of those, then it shatters the entire leftist philosophy, basically their entire argument that they make to their base, whether their base is even aware of it or not, which is that if you're suffering, it's not your fault. It's because someone else is imposing that suffering upon you. And they use that idea to weaponize their base and divide it against the other side in America who remembers when America had one cohesive culture where people could disagree about a few things but ultimately agreed on primary principles. Hard work, dedication, treating others as you want to be treated, Judeo-Christian values for lack of a better term. I know that's a controversial term now. But when I say Judeo-Christian values, I'm talking about people who follow things like the Ten Commandments, even if they don't even believe in God or Christianity. We had a culture that practiced elements of Christianity, even if they weren't believers for a long period of time. Now we have a culture that just straight up defies and hates it. I mean, we have people that are pirate poachers going around literally breaking one of the Ten Commandments, stealing from door to door. Instead of selling Bibles and encyclopedias, they're going and they're just stealing packages. And so we have these letters that come out Say males, whites, Christians, mid-aged people, just being mid-aged means you're privileged, able-bodied people, middle and owning class. They call it owning class. That is very Marxist because you got to remember, folks, the main thing about Marxism is that there are no private property rights. There should be no private property. Everything must be public and collectivist. And so ownership itself is ascribed with this connotation of oppressor class. The absurd newsletter from John Hopkins Office of Diversity, which is an office that should not even exist at any of these universities. None of our federally funded higher education institutions should have any of these DEI offices because, frankly, they're in violation of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. They are racist just in the other direction. So at first, they don't seem racist to a generation of people in this country who saw racism only go one way for many years. When it goes racist the other way, you don't catch it at first. And then you see stuff like this and you're like, oh, wow, we really lost track of things. We're like people that lost track of our weight. They have to sit in the, in the chair and a half at Walgreens or buy two tickets at 
an airline. The absurd newsletter from John Hopkins Office of Diversity, Inclusion, and Health Equity. Remember, equity is equality of outcome. So if you're advocating for health equity, that means that everybody should be the same amount of, have the same amount of health? So what do you do with the really sick people? Do you just kill them? Or what do you do with the really healthy people? Do you have to make them sick? Health equity doesn't even mean anything. It, this office points out the word of the month is privilege before proceeding to claim a laundry list of social groups are granted privilege in the U.S. Of course, we've gone over that list. Quote, privilege is a set of unearned benefits given to people who are in a specific social group. See, unearned. You just got it because of this oppression that you inherited. This is the claim of the newsletter sent by Chief Diversity Officer Sharita Hill Golden and obtained by X account at end wokeness. Privilege operates on personal, impersonal, cultural, and institutional levels, and it provides advantages and favors to members of dominant groups at the expense of members of other groups. So oppressors who exploit the oppressed. It's literally, this is Marxist philosophy being sent out at John, Johns Hopkins University. Of course, we have the screenshot here of the actual message that was sent out. In the United States, the email continues, privilege is granted to people who have membership in one or more of these social identity groups. Again, I'm just going to read real fast. White people, able-bodied people, heterosexuals, cisgender people, which I don't even... I guess cisgender is when you identify as the gender of your birth. So I'm a cisgender person, apparently. Males, Christians, middle or owning class people, middle-aged people, and English-speaking people. This is just Marxist propaganda going out to our college students. And, of course, there was a ton of backlash. We're going to get more into it in detail on the other side of this break. In the meantime, go to InfoWarsStore.com and be the reason we are still on the air. Finally, after close to a year, in early November, where I'm cutting this ad, we finally got one of our flagship products back in stock, Ultra 12, the highest quality vitamin B12 organic. You take it out of the tongue so you get better absorption into the body, through your blood vessels, and what it does to every system in your body is simply incredible. It's the natural, clean, energy, focus, immune system, everything. And it's 40% off exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com. This has been rated as the best B12 in the country. It's available from a top lab that we private label it through at InfoWarsStore.com. Ultra 12, vitamin B12, taken sublingually, now back in stock at InfoWarsStore.com. Or you can call toll-free and order it as well, 888-253-3139. And Ultra 12 funds the InfoWar as well. Infowars.com is tomorrow's news today. Moving. You're watching The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal, folks. There is just something about intro to this song it is one of the best intros of any song i've ever heard it's like up there with fortunate son 
There's something about it. It just vibes. You can you can almost see the Apache helicopters fly in over the jungle as you hear the intro. Some of these songs they're just iconic. It's amazing how music can put you in a mood, or it's almost like a time machine. Sometimes if I listen to a song that I've listened to in years, I immediately get put back in a different chapter of my life, like mentally. So we were covering in the last segment this Sharita H. Golden DEI message that was sent out to students at Johns Hopkins University where basically she said that privilege is the word of the month and if you're white, able-bodied, heterosexual, cisgender, male, Christian, middle or owning class, middle-aged or English-speaking, then you're privileged and everything good in your life is because of that privilege and that privilege is because of your oppression and exploitation or your people's oppression and exploitation over others. So you haven't earned any of it and you should be aware of the fact that things are going really well for you because of the evil of the people on your side. And technically you should probably make sure that you tip your server because you know, everything good in your life is directly and opposite, opposite and oppositely correlated by terrible things happening in other people's lives. It's Marxist, commie stuff. As one commenter on X correctly noted, the African-American DEI official who lords over which group is deemed privileged appears to exercise the most privilege since she's seemingly above reproach and criticism due to her race and sex. Black female chief diversity officers are more privileged than nearly everyone covered under that list. They're paid far more than the average middle-class person. And they have the privilege of being hired and treated above criticism because of their race and sex. And there's some truth to this. Everybody's so terrified of being called a racist. Everyone actually hates racism so much that they do anything they can to just be as far away from that label as possible. And some of this has been happening. I mean, we saw some very questionable things happen at Harvard over the last few weeks. Harrison did a great job reporting on that. I happen to agree with Harrison. It didn't occur to me until I listened to Harrison report on it. But I think that the real reason that there was that resignation at Harvard had nothing to do with the the plagiarism. The plagiarism was just the excuse. The real reason was because she wasn't on the right side of the Zionist debate, the Zionism debate going on. So this list, though, at Johns Hopkins... Reveals how adherence to the DEI, again, that's diversity, equity, and inclusion agenda, is being instituted at a university level to professors and educators who then indoctrinate students with the racist woke teachings. And you got to keep in mind, folks, that since our universities take so much money and rely so much on funding from the federal government, that has given the federal government a disproportionate amount of leverage over the nature of these institutions. Perfect example is the Title IX regulations that came out while Barack Obama was president. Now, when Barack Obama was president, I think it was called the Dear John Letter. There was basically a policy just issued out unilaterally from the executive branch that there was a certain way to handle allegations of sexual assault on college campuses. And if your university did not handle these allegations of sexual assault on campus in the designated way by the federal government, then your university would be subject to the eradication of federal funding and federal support. I know a lot of universities rely on things like tuition 
And a lot of universities rely on things like the endowment of their successful graduates years later. But the fact of the matter is, whether you go to a private university or whether you go to a state college or a public university, chances are overwhelmingly likely that that institution receives some sort of substantial federal funding that helps keep the lights on, helps fund research, things like that. Especially these major institutions like the Johns Hopkinses and the MITs and the Harvards. Because the best and brightest are there, so the federal government invests in these institutions and ensures that the cutting edge research can be done there. And so as an example, and I don't know if you, if you recall this, I recall this because I was in college and I actually had to face some of this. If you're falsely accused of sexual assault in college, you as a male do not have a right to face your accuser like you do in the court of law. You as a male do not have the right to cross witness, cross, cross, Get a cross testimony, cross, cross, cross examine the witness. So you can't hear the accusations made against you. In some instances, you won't even be told who made the accusations against you. You can't cross examine the witness or face the accuser because that's insensitive. And the university has to act immediately just when these accusations are raised. Because if they don't follow all the Title IX regulations, then they're subject to losing their funding. And so you see things like DEI manifest. It's different, obviously, from sexual assault issue or the Title IX issue. Title IX, of course, originally being a law just to make sure that there was an equal and opposite sporting opportunity for women in college as there was for men. So if there's a men's basketball team, there should be a girls one too, that, that sort of thing. Of course, now we don't even know what the definition of men and women are anymore in this country. But when you see things like this DEI push, it is... The government leveraging its financial power over these institutions, they've become financially dependent on the government, just like our states have. It's leveraging its power over these institutions to enforce a political agenda, policies, even sort of, I would say, this skirts right on the edge of violations of our rights. I mean, DEI is certainly a violation of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. When you have things like no whites on campus day, that's explicitly illegal and racist, which is why, of course, Brett Weinstein became sort of famous. And so there was an abundance of backlash to these comments, I think because it comes out in the context of what happened at Harvard. So we have this other sort of woke example from Sharita H. Golden at Johns Hopkins. There was a tremendous amount of backlash, basically forcing her to issue a statement retracting some of the claims that she made. And so keep in mind, folks, that what I'm about ready to read to you, this retraction statement that followed up the message that we went over in detail, is not a genuine expression of regret or a genuine acknowledgement of a mistake that was made. This is a feigned apology because... We saw a glimpse of what's really going on psychologically in the minds of these people. So the original message that went out is actually what Sharita thinks. This is how her mind operates. This is how the DEI sort of brainwash software installed on the minds of students and faculty members alike at universities. This is how it runs. This sort of cognitive dissonance doesn't make any sense, but it's installed and it's the program that runs. 
what we saw from the original statement that went out, the original email that went out, is what they actually think constantly. It is the voice in their mind, assuming that they even have one. So let's hear what her response was. Dear colleagues, yesterday I sent the January edition of a monthly diversity digest from the Johns Hopkins Medicine Office of Diversity, Inclusion, and Health Equity. The newsletter included a definition of the word privilege, which upon reflection, I deeply regret. Yeah, I lie. The intent of the newsletter is to inform and support an inclusive community at Hopkins, but the language of this definition clearly did not meet the goal. In fact, because it was overly simplistic and poorly worded, it had the opposite effect of being exclusionary and hurtful to members of our community. They're not going to say it was hurtful to white people. Keep in mind, if this had gone the other direction, she wouldn't have said members of our community. She, she would have said people of color in our community. To people of color. She, they always call out the race of the minority who is the brunt of racism, but they never call out the race of the majority when it's the brunt of racism. I retract and disavow the definition I shared, and I am sorry. I will work to ensure that future messages better reflect our organizational values. Sincerely, Sharita H. Golden, MDMHS. I don't buy it, folks. I can't wait to take calls later on the show and hear what you guys think about this. Stay tuned, folks. Make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com. Now more than ever. 29 years on air. All I've wanted to do was warn the people about the globalist. And I've done the best job I can to tell the truth and been accurate. And we are on record as the most accurate there are. And I've tried to sell products to fund ourselves. Unlike other communist revolutionaries that rob banks and kidnap people, we don't do that. We try to bring you products that really work. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm scared of this product. It's so powerful. This is the breakdown product after your cells process it of folic acid, methylfolate with high quality organic B complex. This stuff is rocket fuel. It's not a stimulant. It energizes your cells and then everything else you take just supercharges it. It's so insane. It's foundational energy. The strongest formula out there at InfoWarsStore.com. It doesn't just energize this operation against the tyrants. It energizes you. Get foundational energy now. In the early 1900s, certain companies were off-gassing highly toxic fluoride gases into the atmosphere. The surrounding communities began to get sick. Laws were enacted to compel these corporations to install scrubbers to convert these gases into fluorosilicic acid, still highly toxic but containable. Now these companies had a stockpile of this poison, and there was no affordable way to dispose of it. Lucky for them, one of their major stockholders was also the Secretary of the Treasury, who was responsible for the public health service at the time. And by 1950, the U.S. government began buying this toxic, untreated industrial waste product and dumping it into our drinking water. Reputable studies show that it's causing various cancers and other disease. With the Alexa Pure Pro, you can have clean drinking water and a remedy to this madness. Available now at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host this morning. can't seem to get away from the secret society stuff. 
Bruce put this interesting article on the desk, and I haven't had a chance to read it yet, so I'm not going to cover it this segment. Skull and Bones and Equity and Inclusion. So it ties in exactly to what we were talking about in the last segment. I'm anxious to take a look at it during the first five at the top of the hour. Take a, take a break and play a report and look through that and see if I can cover it. But what's fascinating to me is... When I first started doing this sort of thing, whether it was broadcasting here or covering any sort of news on my podcast, you rely a lot on the headlines and the articles when you first start because you're you're nervous and you don't really know what you're going to say and you don't you don't know how much should you prepare, how many clips should you prepare, should you practice before you go on air. These are the things that cross your mind because it's nerve wracking. You don't know how many tens of thousands of people are going to be listening. You don't want to blow it because you want the opportunity again. And now that I've been doing this for a while now, I don't even know when I first came on as a guest host. It must, must have been 2022. So this would be my second year in to doing this sort of thing every once in a while. I've learned something having read for the first time over the course of the last 18 months thousands of articles and it's not an exaggeration thousands of articles we probably print 30 articles a show so in a five-day period of hosting the show it's 150 articles that you read through you do the show for a number of weeks it's thousands and thousands of articles i mean the amount of trees that have been cut down just for infowars to print articles over the last 30 years is mind-numbing and as you get the hang of it, you realize that the art of, and I'm not an expert by any means, I have so much to learn about this. Alex is the greatest of all time in the Rush Limbaugh's. The art of talk radio, this sort of dying thing that's turning into podcasting, it's about stream of consciousness more than it is about preparedness. It's about a, a lens through which you interpret the world more than it is about knowing all the details. It's sort of the difference between talk radio and investigative journalism is investigative journalism. You go out, you do the research, you try to find a story and you report something that no one yet knows to the world. Famous example, spotlight back in the nineties revealing all the corruption within the Catholic church. That's what investigative journalism is. But broadcasting or talk radio isn't really investigative journalism. It's taking what the world already knows and making sense of it through a lens, whether it's the CNN lens, whether it's the InfoWars lens, whether it's the Fox News lens, whether it's the Joe Rogan lens, there's always a lens. There's your own lens. And that's really the difference between talk and investigative journalism. Talk radio hosts aren't really journalists in that they don't go out and try to find a story so much as they interpret that which is being reported in a way that's more reasonable than that which is being reported. And the reason I mention that is because now when I look at a story about a bizarre newsletter that goes out to all of the students at Johns Hopkins University, like we covered, it's not just one sort of bizarre instance of someone saying something in passing that could be interpreted as like a microaggression against my race or my religion or my who I am as an immutable person. You realize that these headlines, as you begin connecting the dots, they all reinforce a greater theme. I don't know if you were lucky enough to have a talented 
English teacher in high school, but I was. I went to a really small school. I talked about this the other day. There were 80 kids in my graduating class, and I was very close with my English teacher. I mean, I stayed after class. We would debate things like religion and talk about literature and movies and music, and the guy meant a lot to me. He actually baptized me in his church. I know it sounds weird as an audience member. It was all kosher and legit. Just really close. And since he's basically expressed that he doesn't want to speak to me anymore because he thinks I'm always supremacist since I supported Trump, he's a major leftist, lost his mind, lost religion too. And the reason I bring him up is because he'd probably be so upset if you heard this since he hates what I do. The reason I bring it up is because everything that I do now and that I have done basically since high school in terms of the work that I do is all through the lens of some of the things that he taught me in that English literature class. I can't even believe believe it. It's not just about reading a book and explaining what happened in a five-paragraph essay. It's about how do you look for the metaphor How do you determine what the theme is of a book? How do you look for the symbolism within a movie or a book or an article and then identify what theme or philosophy or idea or value that reinforces? Good example is Dune. Great movie, the new one with uh, Timothy Chimelay. People were, some people were disappointed when they went to that movie because they thought that they were going to see this intense sci-fi action thriller. And what they were met with was a three-hour long, basically perfect adaptation of a book that is a science fiction book, but it's basically a political drama. And if I hadn't taken this class from my English teacher in high school, I took several classes with him over the years because one teacher taught a lot of classes in small school. I wouldn't, as a consumer, understand that that movie, and this is just an example, is not about a dispute over resources on a planet and cool action sequences. That movie is about a young man coming of age and having the courage to become what he was destined to become. And when you watch the movie through the lens of what it actually is supposed to mean, you see all sorts of symbolism. You have more than one birthright, boy. So is he the Duke's son or is he his mother's son? And in the end, when he says things like, my way leads into the desert, that's him acknowledging that he's accepted his fate to take on the leadership of his dead father and that which he inherited from his mother in order to unite the native people. I mean, it's powerful stuff. It makes the movie so much more enjoyable. It makes all art so much better. It's not boring. It's not slow because every scene is meaningful when it's done correctly. It's why the old Star Wars movies are so much better than the new Star Wars movies because the old ones actually had meaning and the new ones are just sort of regurgitated political propaganda crap. And so when I apply those skills to these headlines... And these articles and the statements that our politicians make, you realize that these are all just tiny moments in a giant propaganda war that is on for your mind. And the left and the establishment and the globalists are fighting so hard for you to believe the lie while the likes of InfoWars and Alex Jones and Tucker Carlson and Joe Rogan whether they're even mean to or not, are fighting so hard for you to, to just find out what the truth is and, and, and broadcast it. Sometimes we get it wrong, but we never lie to you. We don't have to lie to you. 
Everything is crazy enough. We don't have to lie to you to sell products. The products work. They come after us for about everything that we say, everything that we do, but we never get in trouble over the products because they work. They don't really say anything about the products. Oh yeah, we tested it in the lab. It's all the stuff. It's thousand percent your daily value of B12 and whatever. If you look at reports, they have to criticize what we say because they can't criticize what we sell. And they're criticizing what we say because they're threatened by an awareness of the truth when this war on for your mind is about whether or not the people are going to believe the big lie, the great lie, or whether the people are going to believe the truth. And that's really where we're at now. This is the greatest challenge, in my opinion, that we've ever faced in the war for your mind, in the info war, because we have arrived at a very crucial point where there has been a mass awakening to the fact that the establishment has been lying for decades. Now people realize that the political class, whether it's Republicans or Democrats, is lying at the highest levels. Now people realize that the intelligence community is lying at the highest levels. Now they realize that the pharmaceutical companies are lying at the highest levels. They realize since this pandemic happened and the Biden thing happened and all these wars, they realize that all the establishment systems, the infrastructure that we were raised to trust and believe in, in commercial after commercial of happy, sick people taking happy drugs with some side effects spoken very quickly at the end of every segment. We realize that everything that we thought was true has been a lie. That's step one in victory. When there's a great realization that we've been lied to. Now, the reason this is such a crucial, crucial point in this info war is because now that people know who's lying to them, how do they determine who to trust? How do they determine then who's telling the truth? Are we lost? Are we wandering in the desert as a people? How do we align people on one message, one truth to unite this political movement against anti-Americanism? More on the other side. Naturally sourced from the finest hemp plants in America, Rebel Zen offers the absolute finest quality CBD available and at the lowest prices. Extracted using a cold-pressed technique to retain the molecular integrity of the cannabinoids and terpenes within the plant, this full-spectrum formula ensures that your nervous system gets the full benefits of CBD. Premium quality organic CBD like Rebel Zen has been shown to naturally reduce anxiety, relieve pain, and decrease inflammation. People have reported a reduction in symptoms of insomnia, arthritis, seizures, chronic pain, and epilepsy. Several studies have shown it helps to reduce cortisol, increase serotonin, and boost vitality. Order yours today at InfoWarsStore.com. Listening to the American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch it live right now at band.video. Dennis Rancourt has a PhD in physics. He is a former tenured full professor and has published over 100 articles in leading science journals. Rancourt and his team have used all-cause mortality data to prove there have been about 17 million deaths as a result of official COVID-19 measures. 
but not from COVID, which was a lie. As far as I can tell from all-cause mortality uh, data that we've been studying extensively for a long time, there's no such thing as a viral respiratory pandemic. He explains all this in his essay entitled, There Was No Pandemic, which you can find on his substack. There was no pandemic, in the sense that there was not a particularly virulent new pathogen that was spreading and causing death. That is not what happened. What happened was huge assaults against vulnerable people by many different methods. And every time you did that, you caused excess mortality. In all the countries where they were not doing that, there was absolutely no excess mortality, even if it was a jurisdiction that was right beside the one that was doing this. Rancourt explains a science of psychological murder that has been officially studied and documented for well over a century. It wasn't just the spike protein that killed us. It was the whole damn thing. Psychological stress and social isolation are dominant determinants of an individual's health. That causes uh, a suppression of your immune system, and you're going to get some kind of infection, cancer, heart disease, and very often the lungs are very exposed to the environments and they're subjected to all the bacteria that you live with all the time, you get bacterial pneumonia. And it's a huge killer when a society um, is stressed, meaning all of its individuals are stressed, The kind of psychological stress that kills you is when your entire world is turned upside down. Your whole life you thought you had a place in the world and it's gone. That will kill you within a very short time. We always occupy a dominance hierarchy, a social dominance hierarchy. That is how we organize our societies because we are social animals. It is a fundamental truth of how we organize societies. The stress that is intended to keep you in your place within that dominance hierarchy is an everyday chronic stress. And the stressors have to keep changing how they're going to stress you because you get habituated to the stress. So they have to randomly hit you with hard things every once in a while to really make sure you understand what your place is. That stress is one of the biggest determinants of health. But we have to admit that medicine itself is a massive killer. It's a massive cause of premature death of individuals. Modern Western medicine is officially recognized as the third highest cause of death. It was designed to be a way of controlling the population. The role of medicine as an institution in our society is to maintain the dominance hierarchy, is to keep people sick and to put them in their place. It's just part of that institutionally. Financed by the Carnegie Foundation and published in 1910, The Flexner Report was used to outlaw natural medicine practices in America. The Rockefeller Foundation then funded a new kind of medicine, an inverted form of healthcare that utilized petrochemical drugs and experimental surgery to keep people sick and, in many cases, kill the patient. As Dennis Rancourt has pointed out, this is how societies have been run for centuries. A declassified document entitled, Geomagnetic Factors in Spontaneous, Subjective, Telepathic, Precognitive, and Postmortem Experiences, as well as Decades of Trauma-Based Mind Control Research, shows us that the CIA and our governments are well aware of the deadly effects that traumatizing a population can induce. They are killing us with fear and trauma. This is known as psychogenic death or psychosomatic death. 
It is the phenomenon of sudden death brought about by strong emotional shock. Chairman of the Department of Physiology at Harvard Medical School, Walter Cannon, called it voodoo death because mind control is the main method used in voodoo rituals, which is well understood by our world leaders. Breaking through the censorship barrier, one truth at a time. You're listening to The American Journal. Welcome back to The American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host this morning. The crew and I went over the details of this Skull and Bones and Equity and Inclusion article. And what at first seemed like a puff piece is actually... A really interesting take on what's going on. So many of you are familiar with Skull and Bones. Skull and Bones is the elite secret society that many substantial influential members joined while they were students at Yale. It's been around, I believe, since the 1830s, was it? 19th century sometime. It's, it's the oldest of these clubs at Yale. And it's been the subject of several movies. I believe there's a movie literally called Skull and Bones. It might have even been made for for TV about it. But the most famous movie that I can think of about Skull and Bones is the movie The Good Shepherd with Matt Damon, Alec Baldwin of all people, about the formation of the CIA and how the sort of Ivy League elite class established the intelligence community many of the original leaders of the intelligence agencies in the intelligence community were members of these exclusive fraternities at their prestigious institutions and it makes sense on the surface why this would be the case one reason of course is the just just plain old nepotism and favoritism things like that but there's actually a more sort of and I'm not somebody who is an apologist for Skull and Bones, so please don't take this the wrong way. But it makes sense that if you're going to start an incredibly well-funded intelligence agency with spies and secrets and trust being pivotal right after World War II and into the Cold War, it does make sense to me why some of these founders of these intelligence communities seem to have been involved in these organizations because if I know anything about organizations like this, there is a massive amount of vetting and trust, at least there used to be, that goes into whether or not you can get into these these clubs. I mean, by the time you get into an Ivy League school or a school as impressive as Yale or Harvard or others, by the time you get into those institutions, and I've often said that it's more impressive to get into Harvard than it is to graduate from Harvard, You've already gone through a tremendous vetting process. And so it's sort of, and it's, it's not necessarily the case anymore because it's been so politicized. But if you, were in, if, you, if you got into Harvard in the 60s or the 70s, it's because you were a baller. You knew somebody awesome or you were related to somebody awesome or you were just an outstandingly impressive young man or woman, right? So imagine this sort of 
incredibly difficult vetting process just to get into the university. And then once you get into the university, only 15 people a year are allowed into these highly exclusive secret societies on campus. Details of which have sort of leaked. It's hard to know what's true, what isn't true, but it's definitely very sort of alarming. Some of the details, very Bohemian Grove-esque, some of the things going on at Skull and Bones with allegations that they have Geronimo's skull and they actually have real skulls and bones there and allegations that they have sort of demon possession rituals and they do this weird sort of wrestling and feces with urine and it just they have to lay in a coffin and tell their worst secret to the entire group. It's sort of Epstein-esque without the human trafficking element, but it's very much like a sort of blackmail. We've all got something on each other ring, so this you know builds trust. So by the time you get into these exclusive universities, by the time you're one of the 15 of that exclusive group that gets into an institution or a fraternity like Skull and Bones, you are pretty much set as somebody who's going to be trusted until you screw up by the future powerful elite in the country. That was at least the way it was in the past. I I think it's deteriorated, frankly, since then. And we're going to get into this article and talk about the details of it. Let's just go ahead. Do you have the clip ready of Jones in 2013 talking about Skull and Bones? Let's run this clip. I've run it before, but it, it just fits so perfectly. Let's run this and then dive into the article, please. Do you know what goes on at Skull and Bones? Well, I have a family audience, so I can't say. They have sexual rituals where they believe they are possessed by entities, basically space aliens. These are people that had gay sex hundreds of times in coffins begging for spiritual entities to possess them. Hollywood should want to hire him to play the next Silence of the Lambs because there's no actor that can look this whacked out crazy. John Kerry, ladies and gentlemen, is a member of a satanic death cult. They believe entities possess them in pits of feces. I mean, we have a, a, a Secretary of State who has asked entities to enter his body while having sex in large vats of feces with men peeing on him. While other networks lie to you about what's happening now, InfoWars tells you the truth about clip. what's you know, I found that next. clip because back in August, I was, every once in a while, if I want to listen to, I, every once in a while I get a wild hair when I'm working and I want to listen to a really old Alex Jones broadcast. So I'll go over to Prison Planet and I'll say, I'll, I'll just pull up whatever the broadcast was exactly 10 years ago on this day. And that was one of the clips that I saw back in August. I was like, all right, what was going on in 2013 August on this day while I was doing an all-nighter here? And I, I listened to that clip and I thought, oh, that's just too good. So let's dive into this article a little bit. And I'm going to try my best not to read too much of it to you because it's it's a long article and it doesn't have a whole lot of bullet points but there's some details that we went over and matt feel free to chime in if, you, if anything comes to mind because i know that you've you've scoured this article uh, fairly thoroughly so skull and bones is this incredibly exclusive fraternity it used to be a fraternity now they allow women apparently at Yale, that's been associated with the likes of bush senior bush jr the intelligence community those rituals that Jones was talking about in 2013 were depicted in the movie The Good Shepherd, which is actually a very good movie with Matt Damon and Alec Baldwin. And so there was, there, despite how ridiculous it sounded, there is some veracity to what he was saying. And so 
Vanderbilt's, Rockefeller's, Buckley's have all been in Skull and Bones. Three Bonesmen would go on to become President of the United States. The traditions, including oaths of secrecy upon admission and antics stealing the gravestone of Yale's founder and the rumors about them that the Bones tomb contains several human skulls are legendary and an intense source of campus gossip. But what used to be this exclusive club for basically political royalty in America, our own sort of form of royalty with these dynasties that have gone through with these institutions that accept people based on nepotism and favoritism and political sort of favoritism, just generally speaking. What used to be a club for the sort of the future elite of just people with blood that goes way back in American history. I mean, real sort of Romulus and Remus founding blood of America. A lot of the original Bonesmen, people like that. It was, it was kind of like an exclusive, almost royalty type thing. Apparently, they have fallen victim to some of these. And I guess we're just going to have to go into it more in the next segment because we're going to come up on a break before I'm done with this. But they've fallen victim to some of these DEI things. That's why I wanted to talk about it because we spent a lot of time talking about this Johns Hopkins letter that came out and then the retraction. And then obviously the Harvard resignation that happened earlier this month but they started doing some fishy things so back in the 60s during the civil rights movement they realized that they'd never had a black member so they started allowing black people in which is great they should never not allow black people in because they're black in my opinion that would be racist i mean it's a private club you can do whatever you want but not the right thing to do necessarily in 1991 apparently they admitted their first female so it's not a fraternity anymore, I guess, because it's not just a brotherhood. Now they have a gal in there. I'm sure many of the heterosexual brethren, bonesmen, were relieved for that initiation that they didn't have to have sex hundreds of times in coffins and feces with other men. Finally, a woman! But apparently they have recently gone through what is called the tomb on campus. All the elite clubs on campus are called tombs. And they've taken down portraits, decorations, memorabilia that seem to feature an exclusively sort of of European descent class. They've replaced it with all examples of sort of diverse people of color members. I mean, even the wokest stuff is getting into our secret societies. It's more on the other side. We have not had this many of our best-selling products back in stock in years because of supply chain breakdowns and all the rest of the stuff that's going on. And these are game-changing products. It's like our information's game-changing. These products are incredible. And I'm personally glad that these are now back in stock. All three of the InfoWars Platinum flagship products that have been sold out for months are now back in stock, but a very limited run because we only had a budget to get three or 4,000 bottles of each one of these. Look, we got... 4,000 bottles of the HGH Max Boost that people love so much. We've got about 4,000 bottles of 1776 Testosterone Boost that just came in. And we've got about 3,000 bottles of Pain MD, incredible natural pain reliever situation. All three of these are back in stock, and they're incredible, and they fund our operation at InfoWarsStore.com. The eugenicists over 100 years ago were very public about their plans. They financed major universities. They ran full-page stories and advertisements pushing their propaganda in the New York Times, other major newspapers, that the family as we know it is a bad thing and must be ended. And the first step in that is getting women out of the household and teaching 
women that cooking dinner and taking care of your sons and daughters and husbands is a bad thing. And I was just sitting here tonight making dinner for my daughter, my four and a half year old daughter. My wife makes dinner a lot of times, but I like to make it as well. I love to make breakfast. And literally, it's the funnest thing on earth to make food for your family and be nurturative and then all sit down together and have that communal event. And that's what the system is attacking and bombarding, is our normal biological actions are coming together. They really are sick, evil, scientific cult of filth that want to domesticate us and turn us into lab rats. We cannot let this continue. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to the front, Info Warriors. This is The American Journal. I am Chase Geyser, your host this morning. We are talking about skull and bones. Memento Mori, you are going to die one day. It's hard. Forget it. That's why we got to live now. We got to win the war now. That's why the globalists are trying to just devise immortality. They don't want to face judgment. They're just trying to postpone it as much as possible. But eventually it's going to come and get them. So we've been talking about this DEI stuff happening in our institutions. And it's abundantly clear based on this article, which is absolutely fantastic good job rose on this article how this diversity equity inclusion culture this woke culture this marxist critical theory it's all about oppressor versus oppressed has even seeped in to the most exclusive echelons of secret societies in the united states of america secret societies that have produced Directors of CIAs, presidents of the United States, astonishingly successful, influential people of which we have buildings, universities, roads named after. And I'm reading through this article here. Unbelievable piece. So. Three bondsmen would go on to become president of the United States. Their traditions, including oaths of secrecy upon admission and antics like stealing the gravestone of Yale's founder and the rumors about them that the bones tomb contains several human skulls, are legendary and an intense source of campus gossip. Obviously, we saw the bit of Jones talking about it in 2013. You guys are familiar with skull and bones. But there in the tomb, surrounded by oil portraits of former bonesmen, all white, all chosen by the... Society's alumni board. The current members felt overcome not by the achievements of those who had come before them or by the possibilities that lay ahead, but instead by the organization's long history of exclusion. Yeah, it's a secret society. The whole point is that it's exclusive. You moron. (laughs) If you don't like exclusion, then don't join an exclusive secret society. You idiot. Unbelievable. And this reminds me, I just want to mention it before I go on to this article. If you guys can find the scene from the Good Shepherd where oh. they, they're in the cabin and they all stand up as Bonesman alumni oh. and Angelina Jolie says something to the effect of Bonesman first and then God or something like that because they, they, do, they do like a Bonesman thing before they pray. I want to show the audience this, this clip if you can find it. If not, it's no big deal because I just want to give them a sense of what the culture is at this 
echelon here. So the students did what they felt had to be done. They pulled the portraits down and replaced them with homemade signs criticizing the Secret Society's record of keeping people of color out of its ranks. So you join an organization that you hate, and then you change it. I mean, I guess it's like a color revolution, right? And like I said, I'm not an apologist for Skull and Bones. Okay, I, I, obviously it's produced some very questionable people that have done some very questionable things. I don't like the CIA. I don't like either of the Bushes. I don't like this sort of bizarre nepotism that goes on, and I don't like satanic sex cults, just generally speaking. And I don't know if they're really having sex with each other in pits of feces, like Jones said. Maybe they're just mud wrestling while the other members are peeing on them or something. I don't know. Either way, it's disgusting and weird and bizarre. And I do believe that they do have to lay in a coffin and share with the room in an eyes wide shut like ritual the biggest secret of their life as a form of just trust building. And I imagine that the lying in the coffin is, has to do with memento mori, this famous Latin phrase, remember your death. And that, hence the skull and bones. You're going to die. It's a common theme in secret societies. So this was not the only act of Skull and Bones Rebellion in 2019. During an all-expense-paid trip to meet with George W. Bush in Texas that year, one or more members confronted the ex-president who wrote in his 1999 autobiography, quote, I joined Skull and Bones, a secret society so secret I can't say anything more, end quote, and criticized him for leading America into the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, yada, yada, yada. And so article goes on. There's more examples of this. Skull and Bones is the oldest of Yale's senior societies. It was formed in 1832 until the 1960s. There had only been white members in the organization. And criticized for its elitism and discrimination, they faced pressure to disband, but instead they adapted. I'm sorry, did you say something? I heard something in my ear there. So... Skull and Bones admitted its first black member in 1965. Obviously, this is a year after the Civil Rights Act of 1964. I can understand why they would maybe make that change that year. In 1975, they tapped the head of Yale's recently founded gay student organization. And reading this article the first time, how bizarre is it that we have gay student organizations? I mean, imagine if I started a formal student organization at my university, at my college, and it was just for guys who really wanted to lay blondes. Okay, you got to you got to sign this, you know, paperwork that you love blondes. You got to wear the T-shirt that says I love hot blondes. We drink blonde, tall blonde beers. Everything we do is about blondes. We just love blondes. Like, just imagine how bizarre that is. My nephew in high school got in trouble for wearing a hoodie that said I love hot moms on it to school. He went to public school, high school. When the principal pulled him aside, he said, why is it? That the LGBTQ kids can have rainbow shirts and all the gay stuff shirts. But when I express my sexual preference, hot moms, I suddenly am in trouble. And they actually let him wear the sweater after he made that argument because they realized it might actually be a violation of his rights at a public school to refuse him the right to express his sexual preference as a 15-year-old as a kid. So why, just the whole thing is so ridiculous. Why is it that we have college groups centered around sexual preference? It's just bizarre to me. I mean, it's fine. You can do whatever you want, but it just seems kind of stupid that we do that. In 1991, the Bonesmen tapped their first Boneswoman. So we see this sort of progressive approach. You know, they're adapting with the times and organizations have to adapt. I understand. Today, the idea of Skull and Bones selecting someone whose dad was a Republican president seems inconceivable. Did you guys find that clip? 
In short, Yale secret societies are now filled with students who, as a matter of political conviction, consider wealth and privilege indefensible, but who, as members of Yale's most elite clubs, enjoy enormous advantages. As is always the case, those with the actual privilege, the actual advantages, accuse others of exploiting and oppressing so that they can perpetuate their status as a political leader, a political power in the United States of America or in the various institutions that they're in so that they're immune to being fired, immune to being imprisoned or persecuted or prosecuted so they can get away with things like plagiarism, so they can do whatever they want. I just can't imagine the audacity of someone at Yale being one of the 15 people accepted in the most powerful secret society in the history of our nation, Skull and Bones, and then having the audacity to say that they hate privilege because I can't think of a person any more privileged than that to be 19 years old in one of the most powerful secret societies of all time with direct connections to former presidents who are still alive, existing politicians, other Yale graduates. I mean, you are set for, unless you screw up, you are set for life if you join an institution like that because you're always going to have an in for a place of leadership in any major government institution. I'm not saying it's right, but to criticize privilege, to say that you hate privilege from such a place of privilege is just the definition of hypocrisy to me, folks. Stick with us. More news on the other side. Make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com. The New Year's sale is going to end, I believe, this weekend, so now's your chance to get 60% off of our products and free shipping. Double Patriot Points store-wide. 29 years on air, all I've wanted to do was warn the people about the globalist. And I've done the best job I can to tell the truth and been accurate, and we are on record as the most accurate there are. And I've tried to sell products to fund ourselves. Unlike other communist revolutionaries that rob banks and kidnap people, we don't do that. We try to bring you products that really work. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm scared of this product. It's so powerful. This is the breakdown product after your cells process it of folic acid, methylfolate with high quality organic B complex. This stuff is rocket fuel. It's not a stimulant. It energizes your cells and then everything else you take just supercharges it. It's so insane. It's foundational energy. The strongest formula out there at InfoWarsStore.com. It doesn't just energize this operation against the tyrants. It energizes you. Get foundational energy now. InfoWars.com is tomorrow's news today. You're tuned in to the American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. You know, at the beginning of the show today, we went over that good Samaritan who body-checked the porch pirate playing police. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool clip. Just get caught red-handed. And I didn't notice until just now, but the next clip on the clip sheet here, clip two, which I want to run in a second. Canadian police warn that posting videos of package thieves could violate their privacy. So on the one hand, we have all this footage showing a porch pirate getting tackled and arrested for being the dirty thief he is. And on the other hand, we've got the leftists in Canada advocating for the privacy of people who steal off of 
other people's private property. It's their front porch. I mean, the real violation of privacy here is that your property is being stolen off of your property by a criminal, right? It's not a violation of privacy to upload the video of the actual thief. Come on. Let's go ahead and run clip two and see what it says. Provincial police are urging Quebecers to not post those clips online because they say there could be a case for defamation. You cannot post the images yourself because uh, uh, you have to remember that in Canada we have a presumption of innocence and posting that picture could be a violation of private life. Instead, he says if anything is stolen, call 911. If you get some proof that somebody might have stolen something, then call the police give the proof to the police, and then we'll do the, the investigation. We're br- we'll bring that person to justice, and we'll file some charges. Please. Please. Absolutely disgusting, these people. You're going vi- to violate the criminal. You, this could be defamation, because now everybody knows what they look like, and what if they didn't actually commit a crime? As if any institution actually cares about innocent until proven guilty anymore. I mean, we've seen what trials all the way from Trump to Jones... That it's guilty until proven how guilty, right? No juries, just all the juries there is to determine how severe the punishment should be, not whether or not there should be a punishment at all or whether one's guilty at all. We've seen this time and time again. They don't That's so stupid. I mean, I know it's a, it's a colloquial, it's sort of like a, not colloquial, it's an anecdotal example, and, and maybe it's not actually indicative of a bigger trend, but we've, we've been talking about how you interpret the little things, the little metaphors, the little details that reinforce a main theme of a work of art. And in this creation that is God's work of art, there seems to be a theme of good versus evil on every single little detail that I see from this corporate media, this mainstream media, this legacy media press seems to reinforce the theme that there is a war on for your minds and it's whether or not you're going to believe the lie or discover the truth or find the truth. And so while you're not allowed to post videos of people on your property, stealing your property, videos that are captured with doorbell cams designed for security and explicitly for this specific type of thing, Well, you're not allowed to post those videos. We know that for 20 years under the Patriot Act, the government was constantly spying on our webcams, reading our emails, listening to our phones. We know now that the government can turn on your phone without it even turning on and listen to whatever conversation is going on in any room that any smartphone cellular device is in. I don't know how the technology works, but we've seen reports from countless veterans, countless SEALs, on countless podcasts, countless instances of the government being able to listen to any microphone, even if it's not connected to a power source, guys, in some instances. And so they can spy on us. They can watch us in the privacy of our homes. They can listen to us in any room that has a smart device or in our cars. They can stop our electric vehicles from running. They can lock us in the cars. They can shut down the cars. They can take over the autopilot and drive the car to the police station if they need to while we're in it. And now we're seeing this report here from the great Adon Salazar. The EU wants to spy on Europeans' internet use. The European Commission is an EU legislative body with regulatory authority over digital technology. The EC's EIDAS, Article 45, a proposed regulation, would deliberately weaken areas of internet security that the industry has carefully evolved and hardened for over 25 years. The article would effectively grant the 27 EU governments, 
This is the new world order. This is the new world government, the one world government. It would grant the 27 EU governments vastly expanded surveillance powers over internet use. And the funny thing, the ironic thing here is that in Europe, they have what's been referred to as a right to be forgotten that they protect. So if you don't want anything about you, as I understand it, to appear on the internet in Europe, and of course there's ways around this. People can use VPNs and look like they can, they can basically go to the internet as if they're from the United States, even if they're in England or wherever. But in the European Union, you can reach out and submit a request to basically be forgotten. And your name, your identity, as I understand it, will be scrubbed from every social media platform, every search result. You can disappear yourself on the internet there, apparently. I don't know if it's still true. I know it was true years ago. I was reading reports about it. And so while these EU politicians advocate for more regulations on these social media platforms, they advocate for privacy rights on behalf of European Union citizens, and they do things like force every website to update its cookies policy. Remember when that law passed and all of a sudden you had to click accept again like a million times? You still do on all the cookies on all these websites. And all the data regulations are different, and Facebook has a subscription version apparently of their platform in Europe for people that don't want their data to be sold because the the law forces that. These politicians, the point I'm trying to make, these politicians, they advocate for all these rights, for all these privacies, for all these measures, right as they themselves violate these same rights. It's like a compensation thing, right? They turn on a little bit of the cold faucet as they turn up the heat on the other side so you don't feel the temperature change as the consumer. And so while it seems like Europe has all these privacy protections for its citizens, its civilians, even though they don't even have sovereignty over their own borders anymore, they've been basically invaded by radical Islamists. I mean, frankly, I think that Europe would be better off if it was occupied by Russian Orthodox Christians than by these radical Islamists. So anytime I hear Nikki Haley or any of these politicians talk about how Russia wants to invade all of Europe, I think, thank God somebody's coming to save it because it's already fallen. But while they come out, these politicians, these globalist leaders, and talk about the importance of privacy, they simultaneously screw you in the back door with the policies that they have that empower the government, that empower this surveillance. You've got Sweden coming out the other day saying that it's going to join NATO as soon as July and that they should brace themselves for World War III. They should brace themselves for war. The minister of defense comes out and says, hey, if we join NATO, we could get involved in a war fairly quickly because if you join NATO, you got to get involved in any war that NATO gets involved in. So they're constantly pushing us into these globalist organizations and the only way to manifest globalism is world war if you want one world government you're going to have to have a world war i mean if you look at the league of nations it came as a result of world war one if you look at the united nations it came as a result of world war ii if you look at nato it came as a result of the cold war all of these global conflicts have only served to benefit those who would seek to conglomerate all world power and seize it for themselves and maintain it for themselves and so if you got the increase in the size of NATO, an organization that was only ever supposed to exist to counter Russia in the context of a Cold War, to counter the Soviet Union, a country which does not exist anymore. These organizations still exist. If we see these globalist organizations expand, it's a direct correlation to the likelihood that we're about ready to explicitly get involved in more conflict again in the European theater on massive scale. And this conflict isn't going to be like the last time Congress actually legally declared war 
which was 1941. That was the last congressionally declared war that the United States was involved in. All these other conflicts, just spontaneous executive orders. But it's not going to be like that in World War III. It might not even be nuclear at all. It's going to be things like, oh, we haven't had power for nine months. Oh, I don't know where the food is. They don't have to bomb us to destroy us. I mean, the reason you bomb cities in the first place is to cut off roads and supply chains. But you can do that through cyber warfare now, through propaganda warfare now. You don't even have to actually destroy physical infrastructure to destroy all of the technology that we rely on. And they're seeping in. They're not only attacking our infrastructure, but they're trying to win over your mind, going so far as to install chips in minds that can control your predisposition to taking risks. There is a war on your minds, literally. I have been in a 28-year marathon battle with a globalist. I have come from nowhere to the very heights of politics, not just in America, but in the world. We are engaging the globalists at point blank range in the information war. But I don't deserve the credit. Yes, I've persevered, but the listeners and viewers who support InfoWars are the real reason we've had the success. We're having now the greatest victories in the fight against the New World Order we've ever had. We are now entering the final mile of the marathon. And that's why today it's more important than ever to realize how important you've been in this fight and to continue in the efforts you've been carrying out and to intensify them. God bless you all. I salute you. I thank you. And I beg you to intensify what you're doing now because we are over the target and history is happening. The fight is my fight. It's your fight. It's our fight. God bless you all. January 2024 is here, and that means up to 60% off at InfoWarsStore.com, free shipping and double Patriot points. This is one of the biggest deals of the year, and it supports the InfoWar. And we're selling out a lot of these products, and it'll be months and months till more are back in stock. Whether it's books, films, t-shirts, you name it, you need to go to InfoWarsStore.com right now and take advantage of this 2024 New Year sale, double Patriot points, free shipping, and so much more. Get a copy of my book, Signed or Unsigned, The Great Awakening, The Plan to Defeat the Globalists, and Launch the Next Great Renaissance. And again, thank you so much for your amazing support in 2023. But 2024, as everybody knows, is the big year. So please support us and get great products at InfoWarsStore.com. And tell everybody you know and those you don't know, tune into the live show at InfoWars.com forward slash show. God bless, and we're going into 2024 together. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal, folks. We are going to be taking calls throughout the third hour. Make sure you call in 877-789-2539. Again, that's 877-789-2539. Open lines. Talk about whatever you want. The sooner you call, the more likely I am to be able to get to you. So call now. The crew's going to screen the calls. And after this segment, in about 10 minutes or so, we'll start to take the calls. And if they come in quickly and get screened quickly, then I might even be able to get some to some in the next 10 minutes. So the crew gets a chance. Throw the board up on the screen and make sure you call on 877-789-2539. Don Salazar writes on Infowars.com, what do you call a war with China plus a war with Russia plus a colossal war in the Middle East? 
That's a great headline. Obviously, the answer is World War III. You call that World War III. So we've been bombing the Houthis in Yemen. And I'm just going to be totally transparent. I'm going to be totally honest with you about this issue. First thing I want to say is I believe in Ron Paul's theory of blowback. I believe that virtually every single instance of these conflicts or our involvement, especially in the Middle East over the last 50 years, has actually created generations of terrorists and created enemies of America because of some of the unjust things that we've done. Now, that doesn't justify anything that these terrorists do. Ted Kaczynski isn't justified for the unabombing or any of his bombings that he did just because he wrote a good manifesto about the injustices of the world or just because he was a victim of MKUltra. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm not saying that I like these terrorists. I'm not saying that they're good people. I'm not saying that they're not radical extremists and they're problematic, okay? But they hate us for reasons. And it's not because they hate our freedom. And it's not even because they think that we're infidels. It's because we are, we're constantly screwing with everybody. We are the bully on campus, the United States government, not Americans, American people. American people are great, but the U.S. government is the bully in the playground. And so I want to be honest with you about this conflict because I know very little about Yemen, its history, and its conflicts, and I know very little about the Houthis. All I know about the Houthis is that they've been accused of doing things like using drones and bombing strikes on some of our carriers in the region and that we've been bombing them back like crazy and that Democrats and Republicans alike have been expressing reservations or criticisms of the Biden administration's just sort of unilateral decision to respond to these strikes with explicit military violence without congressional approval. And we hear this time and time again every time there's a conflict. But like I said in the last segment, the United States has not legally, as it's supposed to, declared war on any nation since 1941, as I understand it, unless my research is incorrect. And I know that there, there was legislation that was specifically passed that Biden voted for and spoke to in terms of invading Iraq and some of these military operations that we've been involved in. I know Congress has been involved in these military conflicts and improving things like approving things like aid to enemies and troop involvement, things like that. Don't get me wrong. I understand that Congress has had its hand in this, but we have not formally declared war on a nation in approaching 100 years since the Great War, World War I, World War II, rather, 1941. And so we see this U.S.-U.K. striking Houthi militia targets in Yemen. I, at this point, don't even know whether or not it's even true that any of our aircraft carriers or naval vessels actually ever got attacked in the Red Sea. It's possible that it's true. I'm not even saying that it's definitely a lie. But... We've gotten involved in conflicts before because of lies about naval vessels getting struck, right? Like the Lusitania. What was the famous one from Vietnam? I'm drawing a blank right now. What was the black flag operation that got us into Vietnam? Can't remember. Yeah, Gulf of Tonkin, right? So when people talk about these Houthi attacks or these rocket attacks or these Iranian strikes or whatever, these drone strikes on our vessels in the Red Sea or civilian vessels in the Red Sea or commercial vessels in the Red Sea, my first thought is, yeah, but how do you know? You know, like, how do you actually know it happened? 
And they're just like, oh, well, it's being reported everywhere. There's pictures drawn. Uh, yeah, I know. And it probably did happen. Do you, do you really know? Because if you're talking about war, if you're talking about World War III, you better be sure. I mean, the only thing that kills more people than a global world war is a global vaccination after a fake pandemic. 17 million people, allegedly, according to the new reports from scientists I trust. Rankert, of course, who was on Jones. Weinstein, who I trust, is a brilliant biologist, virologist, I guess would be the term. So if you're going to talk about 17 million minimum dead, I mean, they really want hundreds of millions dead for their depopulation agenda, which is real, folks. Then you better know for sure. And I'm not one to support a war or a conflict at any scale, let alone World War III, because the New York Times has a picture of a drone above a U.S. vessel in the Red Sea and talks about exchanges of rockets or bombs or fire between the two. Maybe. Maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't. Why do we have ships in the Red Sea at all anyway? Why do we care what happens in the Red Sea? Maybe we should leave. Maybe we don't belong there. So U.S.-U.K. strike Houthi militia targets in Yemen. The U.S. and U.K. began carrying out strikes on Houthi militia targets in Yemen in the early hours of Friday. Brand new article up. Washington and London had vowed to retaliate against attacks on shipping in the Red Sea and the Gulf of Aden. So they're saying that civilian or commercial vessels are being interfered with because of these attacks are being harassed. And that's why we were there. And that's why we're responding. The Houthis have pledged support for Gaza during the fighting between Israel and the Palestinian militant group Hamas. They have been launching drones and missiles at merchant vessels, as well as warships patrolling the vital waterway. Maybe. The Houthis are a Shia Islamist militia that rose to power following the wave of protest known as the Arab Spring which swept the Middle East in the early 2010s. Do you remember the Arab Spring, folks? Do you remember how involved Twitter was in the Arab Spring, making sure that different radical extremist militias or uprisings all over the Middle East had the information and the details they needed to successfully overthrow their governments? Do you remember how confident everybody was in the mainstream media that after the government of Egypt was overthrown by the Egyptian military in an insurrection, in a coup, that Twitter loved that one, they were so confident that there was going to be a peaceful transition of power between the military and Egypt and a new government now. See, they love insurrections when it's sponsored by them, when it's funded by them. The only... Federally sponsored, federally funded insurrection our government acts like it hates is the one that happened on January 6th. That wasn't even really an insurrection. All the other ones, they seem to love. They seem to adore installing the Shah in 1979 in Iran. They seem to adore the Arab Spring, which has resulted in an astronomical sum of opiate exports and human trafficking and just grotesque, primitive injustice. I mean, brutal stuff. Swarms of people in Iraq, Afghanistan, as we left, just taking all the weapons, selling them to Hamas, terrorizing people so afraid to stay in their home country that they would rather clutch on to the wing of an aircraft. 
and ride that wing or attempt to ride that wing all the way back to the United States knowing that they would die than stay. That's how terrible this extremism is. And they're just importing it all across Europe. Now they're advocating, even Netanyahu implying, that the United States should take the people that currently reside in the West Bank or in the Gaza Strip as refugees. When we know that over 50% of them supported Hamas in the last election, and I think 2006. I know that a lot of them are innocent, but a lot of them are terrorists, guys. Terror sympathizers, real ones. And that doesn't mean that Israel's right. I don't necessarily agree with Israel. I don't care about Israel either. I only care about America. But both these sides are pretty, pretty shady, folks. And we're supposed to bring them here into the United States. When the innocent people, the innocent civilians who are faced with being ruled by these very people, the same thought process, the same theology, the same politics, would rather clutch on to the wing of U.S. military planes flying out of the country and fall to their deaths than stay behind and face that radical extremism. If they're willing to do that to get away from it, then why the hell would we ever import it into our own country? Why the hell would we ever get involved in these world wars? Why would we do things like bomb these countries so that the terrorists have a talking point and they get more radicalized and more supported? The more injustice we do upon the world, the more injustice it will bring upon us. This is ancient rule of the universe, folks. Stick with us. Calls for the third hour in just a few minutes. Call on 877-79-2539. That's 877-79-2539. I'm not on Team NFL. I'm not on Team NBA. I'm not on Team Olympics. I'm not on Team Globalist or Wokeism in the New World Order. I'm on Team Humanity, ladies and gentlemen, that loves God and loves our families and loves humanity and knows that we're destined to do even more incredible things than we've already done together. And so, inspired by my conversation with Elon Musk recently, where he agreed with my idea to call it Team Humanity, we've launched two limited edition t-shirts at InfoWarsStore.com. Let people know that, hey, it isn't about the football games or it isn't even about the UFC. It's about Team Humanity being under globalist attack. You can wear it. It's a great conversation starter, and you know it's supporting the info war that is at the very tip of the spear in the fight for Team Humanity. Get your limited edition Team Humanity t-shirts right now at InfoWarsStore.com, and I thank you. 